Manifesting Brilliance is about bringing forward the light that already shines deep within you. It's about empowering yourself to be the person that your source is calling you to be. You are already perfect, whole, and complete. Now is the time to claim and step into your divine power and purpose. There is nothing your holiness cannot do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Imhoff. And just to give some historical context about where we are today, today is September... 24th am i right there's a it is it's september 24th oh my goodness i just moved to a new home and so i've been in the the upheaval of all of that and so have lost some days it's september 24th uh the the global pandemic is still well underway um we have surpassed 200,000 people who have died um because of coronavirus and so, um, as always, I send you love and light and my prayers wherever you are um, today. Uh, we also uh, last week lost uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She made her transition to the non-physical, and I believe she's a mighty and fierce spirit um, who is continuing to shower us with her wisdom and her blessing uh, but her absence on the Supreme Court is something that we're all sort of feeling, um, especially if you're somebody of a more liberal mindset. And so um, um, I just send prayers to her family and people who knew her personally and, um, and to our whole country who, who's, um, we're all just sort of grieving that loss. I think it's a profound loss. Um, today we're going to be talking about self-love and I'm thrilled to have a guest with us, uh, Jenea Barnes, who serendipitously I met through a training, a coach training. And, um, so I'll have her introduce herself in a bit and we'll get started. But before we begin, as always, I'd like to start just by grounding ourselves in the moment. So if it's safe for you to do so, please close your eyes and take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, just release anything that might keep you from being totally present in the current moment, in this moment. And we take another deep breath in, and as we do so, we ground ourselves in, in our bodies, in the chair we're sitting in. Just become aware of this present moment and exhale, releasing anything that might be weighing you down. It's interesting to me that when we breathe, we are, when we pay attention to our breath, we allow ourselves to be present in the current moment, which the Course in Miracles tells us is the holy instant, because it's the only time when our linear time intersects with God's eternal time. And we see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light grow larger and larger until now it fills 
the entire inner vision of our minds. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden that surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We notice that the inside of this temple is lit as well by the same beautiful golden light. And here we are, for we have been called together by the power and into the presence of God. We devote the time spent today to God's Holy Spirit. We ask that God would uplift us above and beyond all illusion, all anxiety, to the peace of God that lies beyond. And we ask that God would help us to be the men, the women, the people that God would have us be. And so it is. Together we all say, Amen. Amen. So I'm really thrilled to be having a conversation today with Jenea Barnes. And um, I just have to tell you a little bit about how I came to know Jenea. So uh, again, serendipitously, we were brought together through a coach training program that we were involved in. And it was a a program on building a coaching practice. And um, there's sometimes uh, in our lives when we meet someone and we just automatically recognize them as a kindred spirit. And um, I can say that that happened with um, pretty much everybody in the group, um, but in a profound sense with Jenea. And um, I had an opportunity last night to have a session with Jenea. She was helping me um, work on some worthiness um, and uh, it was a really, really powerful experience. And I can say quite honestly and quite frankly that I am um, still kind of on cloud nine floating in that uh, blissful state that she uh, helped me achieve last night. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jenea to the podcast. And Jenea, would you please just tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself and the work you do as an elevation guide, right? As an elevation guide, yes. So what I do, well, first, let me just start. My life was pretty up and down and traumatic, and I had all this crazy stuff, and my emotions got the better of me. I was totally reactive instead of responsive, and it took me a long time and a lot of healing modalities to get through that, to get to the point where I am now. And so what I do is I help people get there much faster, much easier than I did. So we work specifically in the beginning, we work on clearing out those emotional triggers, healing traumas, and making it so those trigger points aren't so reactive. And then we work, of course, on building self-esteem and... We work on our values, we bring in mindfulness, some meditation, and all the tools to help you move through your life with more choice so that you don't, you're not coming from that reactive space. When you are more in control of your own emotional state, you can choose what's truly best for your higher self. Awesome. So in the work you do, you don't necessarily keep people from feeling 
the difficult emotions or, um, of course, there's nothing we can do to stop those things that trigger us from happening. But it sounds like um, you give people the tools that are required to not stay in the, the yucky mo- emotion for so long. Like, I know for myself that there have been times, um, and I've gotten way better at it, but, you know, that something happens, it triggers me, and then there's this downward spiral, and you feel it happening, but, you know, I think sometimes we feel powerless to stop it, but it sounds like you're helping your clients with tools to keep them from going down that, into that rabbit hole. Absolutely. But we also have to remember it's really important to feel the feelings. If you don't want them to come back and create those trigger points, we have to allow the emotions to move through us. And that is so hard because we don't want to, nobody wants to feel anything bad. So our natural inclination is to stuff it, avoid it, numb it, whatever it takes to just not feel it. And what that does is it sets you up to actually feel it over and over. Anytime something happens that looks a little bit like that, it'll trigger those feelings that haven't been cleared. And then you're just doing it over and over again. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of my, uh, as I mentioned on this podcast, probably on every episode, one of my favorite spiritual teachers is Marianne Williamson, and she wrote a book called Tears to Triumph. And in that book, she quotes, um, I think she quotes Rilke, the, the poet Rilke, it's either Rilke or Rumi, um, but she says, uh, let me not squander the hour of my grief. And her premise throughout the book is, you know, that the, the despair, the grief, those feelings come for a purpose and that we have to feel them. And she says, you know, if you have to cry 300 tears and you only cry 250 you haven't, you haven't let it go through you. And the secret, I think, is not to dwell. We don't want to build our, and we, we talk about dwelling in something, and a dwelling is your home, right? So you don't want to build your home on despair. But we want to feel the whole spectrum of human emotion because it's part of being human. And there's a lot of beauty, I think, that can come out of really feeling the grief, feeling it to the depths of your soul, experiencing that dark night of the soul, and then doing the work to get on the other side and coming out more powerfully. And the one of the things that's so important, like really, really important, when you get in the habit of stuffing your grief, your sadness, your fear, and you start denying those emotions, not only do you deny a part of yourself, which diminishes your self-esteem, which diminishes your self-love, but you also don't allow yourself to have access, full access to the good emotions. So if you are on a path of say you're drinking or you're numbing out watching TV or whatever it is you're using to numb out those bad emotions, you're also inhibiting the joy, the gratitude, all those beautiful emotions. So yeah, like you talked about that, we want to have that full spectrum of human emotion to have the fullest experience in our lives. Awesome. That's really, really great. Um, thank you for sharing that. So um, I want to talk today again about self-love. And one of my uh, favorite books is one I discovered years ago. It was actually a friend of mine named Stephanie Spader uh, 
told me about the book. And I used to do youth ministry and I, I read this book a, a, probably a dozen times and we would use sections of it for our youth ministry. But this, the book is called Seasons of Your Heart and it's by Macrina Viedeker, who is a Benedictine nun. Um, but she just writes beautifully, like just so poetically. And um, so I'm going to, to read this and it's a little a little bit lengthy, but it's beautiful. And um, I invite you just to sort of let these words wash over you. And then we'll use this kind of as a jumping off point for our conversation. Great. Slowly, gently, I lift the clutter out of my life. I must, I must let go of my ego self. I've known this part of myself intimately. It's like an old friend. It's a bit hard to send it on its way. It has become a kind of cherished sin for me, a dis-ease that I am familiar with. Still, it has hindered my growth and kept me from adoring. It has prevented me from noticing the holy ground of my life. And so, I kiss it goodbye. Yes, I kiss it. I embrace it. It is a part of myself. I cannot simply cast it aside. I pray for its conversion. All the clutter in my life that I have clung to with such devotion will be born again in some new and better form. It is the shadow side of myself. If I befriend it, it will arise from the ashes of falseness into the glory of truth. My uncontrollable anger becomes a passionate prophetic zeal. My possessive clutching becomes a generous giving. My abundance of unnecessary words melts into the one great word. My deafening noise becomes the sound of silence. My need for approval from others becomes a need to affirm others. My need to control becomes my need to share. My fear is changed into love, my anxiety into trust. Yes, all the clutter of my life, that ego stuff that held me back when embraced and owned, can change before my very eyes into grace. What was hindrance becomes a blessing. What was an enemy becomes a friend. What was darkness is now my light. What was my clutter is now my treasure. There is no freedom like seeing myself as I am and not losing heart. There is no freedom like looking at myself as I am and saying, yes, that's me. There is no freedom like taking myself in my arms. Only in that embrace will I understand my wounds. Only in that embrace will I, will I experience healing. Only in that embrace well, I come to know my true self. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, as I was reading it, I got goose flesh, you know, um, yes. because I think that is, I think that's what we all aspire to is, you know, at the age of 51, I, I find that it's not about not feeling the wounds. 
um, and guarding myself from them because I think going through this life and loving deeply and being truly present means we're going to step our toe. We're going to skin our knees and our hearts are going to break and they're probably going to break multiple times. Yeah. But when we learn to rise above those things, when we learn to, and not even just, it's, I don't even know if it's rising above. I think it's maybe just embracing them and, and, um, yeah, just being totally present. What what do you think? Yeah. Well, when you say rising above, it it leads one to think that where you are right now is not perfect, but where you are right now is perfect. And of course, we still, you know, we're aspiring to do good, to do better, to be the best we can be. But right now, right where you are is perfect. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we come to that realization, the sooner we come to that self-acceptance, the easier it is to fly. Right. Right. Because it's like every. Yeah. So it's... As you rise above, sometimes that I think it's interesting, even when I was coming to terms with my name for my business and what I do, I had always connected to the term the rise but there's so much like work in the rise and it, it and it alludes to that you're not okay right where you are and right where you are is perfect always but, yeah yeah we have to remember even though we may be striving to do better be better be the best version of ourselves live into fully what the divine or whatever you want to call it wants for us or has held for us right now is perfect right right where you are is perfect right absolutely and um i was listening to um a webinar by neil donald walsh uh recently and one of the things he said was really profound and and um he said you know we there's nothing for us to do it's not about us getting better at anything or um, we already came here completely evolved. Right. Um, Like it's not about um, getting better or striving for perfection um, because we're already perfect, whole and complete. Yeah. There's no such thing as perfection. It's an illusion. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, so I think, I think self-love starts with just an awareness that, that awareness that we're already evolved. We don't have to get better at being anything um, other than I think we have to get better at accepting ourselves just as we are and learning to be truly authentic but above that, above and beyond that, there really is nothing more to do. Um, and I think um, too often we spend so much time striving and, you know, like we don't relax into just the flow of things. Um, and I don't mean that in a lazy sense. I mean, if there's work to be done, you do the work that's to be done. 
but I think we suffer a lot from this overachiever syndrome, um, you know, and that leads to really uh, a, a lack of um, authenticity and, and, you know, people who, and I don't want to like um, speak poorly about anyone who, you know, there are people who are real, who are really go-getters and I think that's lovely. And, um, and if you have that in you, certainly do that. And I'm not saying we should be lazy. Um, but do, do you understand sort of where I'm going with this? But there's yeah. something to be said about like, you don't have to achieve more to, to be more or to be better, you know, like you're, well, it's funny. Some people that I speak with, they really talk about this in terms of the feminine and the masculine. The feminine is about creation and flow, and the masculine is about doing and building. And I don't necessarily really subscribe to the feminine and masculine in that way, but I feel like these are two parts of anything. And there is this part of every single one of us that is in flow and has creation and another part of us also that is the builder is the doer and you know some people may lean one direction more than the other most of my life i led i was a doer i was in that go 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 do 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 i could not sit still and let anything flow but where a lot of my healing came from is when I finally started sitting still and sitting in the uncomfortable. Often we do, we do the doing to avoid the feeling and the stuff that's coming through. But when we can do both is where I believe that we really find that balance. So you're not running from yourself anymore. At least I was running from myself. I don't know about everybody else, but I was running from myself for sure. I, I think you're right. I mean, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, the things we do to numb ourselves, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or sex or food or doing, you know, yeah. just being the overachiever, you know. And, and I know people who the scariest thing in the world for them would be just to be to be quiet and be alone with their thoughts for a moment to be alone with their, Cause then they have to confront the brokenness. Well, and it's not, here's the thing is I, I had this whole period of time where I thought of myself as broken and I don't like, I even started to build a whole company around the term broken and I don't subscribe to that term anymore because we're not broken. We're all working perfectly. But, you know, I can totally relate to not being able to sit still. I couldn't. And now mm -hmm. I meditate. I sit for two hours a day. But the thing that's so what happens when you sit still and you start, there's a point when this uncomfortableness starts to come and you might call it brokenness, I call it an emotion or a feeling or something that needs to come out and move. And it's when you sit through those moments of uncomfortableness and you get to the other side. It only ever lasts a couple minutes. But most of us run at the first side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do that, you really get, that's where the healing comes. Right.
And then it actually frees up more space to be able to be more efficient doing the doing. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I, I hear what you're saying about brokenness and maybe the, the better term is, you know, that we're wounded, you know, and we don't stay wounded forever. We heal. And in those places where we heal, we actually become stronger, right? It's like the bone when a bone is broken and it's, and it's healed, it's actually stronger at the place that where it was broken and, and being human and being on this physical plane um, where we are wounded. It's just going to happen because, um, because we come here and we forget who we are. You know, if we could all be completely enlightened and remember that we are, uh, you know, spirits and body and that we're divine love and divine light and, and powerful beyond, you know, beyond compare, then we probably wouldn't uh, feel those wounds. But, um, but that's not, but we get here and we, we forget, you know, and I think the whole, point of life is that rediscovery and i don't think we ever totally achieve that until we cross over to the non-physical and then we we become uh what we always were because uh, we're no longer trapped by all of this nonsense of this physical world right yeah well it's so interesting too that you talk about the bone getting stronger at the place that was broken and you know we so many of us are living in this victim place or we just have these, you know, wounds and we're really upset by them. And I know I was there for sure. But the thing that when we have some of our wounds, we usually develop other resources that kind of give us superpowers. They, you know, like the person that was really needed to please their mom or whatever became the people pleaser, but man, are they really good in the hospitality industry or they can host a party that's, and it becomes one of their superpowers to be able to like, look at a room and see what everybody needs. And then when you go the further route and you heal the wound that you still have that superpower. So these wounds, sometimes these things that happen to us, sometimes they're gifts. If you want later, I'll tell you a crazy story about a terrible wound that ended up being such a gift that saved my life. But I would love to hear the story. If now is an appropriate time, you can share it. (laughs) So so you know a little bit about my background, um, but your listeners do not. So when I was very young, I was almost four years old, I held the hand of my best friend who was a junkie and a Vietnam vet while he OD'd and died. And of course, as you can imagine, so young, I, I mean, I did think it was my fault, but I also, I was helpless to do anything. So this created a trigger, an emotional wound for me. And then many years later, when I was 15, I was very depressed and suicidal. And I literally had my foot off a cliff and I was about to just step off and somebody walked up behind me and he said, Jenea, what's the matter with you? You look like you're about to jump. And in that moment, even though I was ready, I was done, I was checking out, there was no doubt about it, but it triggered that thing where I couldn't let somebody else go through what I did where they were helpless to stop this death. 
that they saw right in front of their face. And because of that experience when I was four years old, I stepped back and I didn't jump that day. And that day actually became a turning point because things got a little bit better. And I realized that when you choose for things to get better, when you really choose it, they will. Mm -hmm. And so that moment in time was such an important anchor every time everything crumbled for me that I wouldn't have had that had I not gone through that experience where my junkie friend died. So it's all this crazy divine web of things that happen and we don't know how it's going to play out, but there needs to be some trust and trust that sometimes you get superpowers from your brokenness. Yeah, absolutely. And what occurs to me is that the healing that occurs comes from within Mm -hmm. like we totally have the power within us to heal these wounds of our own on our own absolutely um and i think and i'm thinking about the session we had last night where we were working through some um issues i have with my own worthiness in the work i'm doing and um and you were a compass you guided me along this path Mm -hmm. um you know, but ultimately it was, it was my mind. It was my spirit that did the work. And it's really, you know, and I think for the listeners to, you know, who might be struggling with, you know, what feels like brokenness or what their wounds might be, um, you know, to um, the, the mind has an immune system. The spirit has an immune system, just like the body does. Um, and it's powerful. Like okay. everything you need to heal your life already exists within you. And it's just a matter of tapping into it. And luckily there are people like you, you know, and good therapists and, and other, you know, um, energy healers and, you know, all kinds of holistic practitioners that have the gifts and the talents to lead people through that work. But, um, and I don't think there's anything that can't be healed. I mean, that's the remarkable thing. I don't, there's nothing that can't be healed as long as we're open to it. And it's about being open to the miracle, the possibility that it can be healed. I agree with you there. It's interesting as I'm writing a book about my life and one of the themes that comes through, and it's a theme through my entire healing, is this inner knowing, this knowing of what's the next step to take. Because we've all had these different lives. We have different layers to peel off. So one path is not going to be the same path for everybody, but learning how to just trust yourself that you can step into when something presents it presents to you that that might be the thing that feels right, that you know that there is a knowing within you that's going to nudge you in that direction. It's just learning how to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, Yeah. And that was huge in our session last night. You kept saying, you know, tap into that part of you that knows. Yeah. Uh, And one of my practices, uh, something I've learned from Sark, who's one of my mentors, is writing inner wise self love notes and asking my inner wise self for guidance. But, you know, there are times when it's, 
um, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling, you know, out of sorts and I'll take my journal and I'll write a love note to myself from my inner wise self. And, um, and invariably what I end up writing, you know, cause I'm the one who's writing the, you know, writing it, but what I end up writing is surprising to me because it's not what I think I'm, I'm wanting to say. You know, you think, oh, I know what I'm going to write. And it goes someplace different. And I'm left with goosebumps and tears because it is that inner knowing, you know. And I've actually named my inner wise self Glinda. Um, I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, Glenda the Good Witch of the North because I love the Wizard of Oz. And, um, uh, and I actually have a Glenda ragdoll that sits in the corner of my office to uh, kind of look over me. And, um, but it's just that, that intuition that we all have. And I think we just discount it too much, you know? And I think part of that's just the busyness of our lives. We just don't stop to, to check in, but there are times it's like, you know, I think if you just even ask, you know, the whole, the course of miracles says the Holy spirit, which is what I would call that, that inner knowing on some level, Uh the Holy Spirit responds to the slightest invitation. Yeah. I mean, mine, mine is a shape-shifting wolf woman. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And uh, she, she recently like integrated into my full self. So she doesn't sit outside of me anymore, which was really cool. But yeah, there is such beauty in than just trusting yourself. And a big part of it is we get so wrapped up in our head and this having to be so mental, not like mental as in (laughs) mental as in using your brain. Cerebral. um, Yeah. Cerebral about all of this stuff and these concepts and what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And, and again, that like, the more we get in our head about that stuff, the less tapped in we are to ourselves, which takes us further away from self-acceptance, which takes us further away from self-love and being fully connected to just knowing. Yeah. I'm thinking about a, a documentary that I watched um, called I Am. It was by Tom Shadiak. If you haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend it. It's a little bit difficult to find. Tom Shadiak was the producer of the movie um, uh, Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective, and a number of other uh, films, and, you know, multimillionaire. And uh, then he was riding his bike one day, and he had an accident, and he ended up with a head injury uh, that um, causes it's a a common injury and it causes people to have severe migraines and oftentimes people with this with this um injury commit suicide because they can't handle the pain and so he was living with that and then one day just out of the blue the headache stopped wow and so he started to go on this quest to find out sort of what the meaning of life is and um, he interviews a number of you know um philosophers and uh, scientists and And um, anyway, one of the places he ends up going is the Heart Math Institute. Mm. And, um, and I don't know a whole lot about it. But what I learned from this uh, documentary is, is that our heart is really more the center 
of our awareness than our minds are, that we can communicate, we communicate with other people via the heart more than anything, you know, and that's the heart that's sort of leading us more than our minds. But we have, you know, uh, we've sort of, for whatever reason, we get so stuck in our heads and we don't follow the heart, which is that seed of intuition and the, and the spirit that, you know, that place that knows it's not our minds. Our minds play tricks on us all the time. It's true. And uh, with all the voices in your head and all of that stuff, it's so interesting. You talk about the HeartMap Institute because one of the people I've read a lot of stuff from and one of their, it's Dr. Joe Dispenza, but one of his meditations and his most recent book is creating heart coherence. And you mm-hmm. just keep breathing into your heart until you start, you'll feel it. You do it after a little while. And what it causes, if we're going to talk about this from a scientific standpoint, is it causes the brain waves and the heart waves to sync up. And when the brain waves and the heart waves sync up, you are in you are in more flow. And like if you have a moment when you're way up in your head, your brain is spinning, start breathing into your heart and you'll feel it at some point. It might take two minutes, it might take five minutes, it might take 15 minutes. I think it's going to be a little different for everybody. But you'll feel it. All of a sudden the brain will calm down. You'll be more tapped into knowing what you should do. You'll be able to tap into joy or gratitude so much easier. So I try and practice breathing into my heart a lot because I want to keep that sink as mm-hmm. much as I possibly can because that's where the magic happens for me. It like keeps me grounded in my body. It keeps me present. It keeps all those self-doubts and those worries out of my head. Well, I think meditation just in general does that, but I think this sounds even a little bit more profound. I practice transcendental meditation and, um, and when I discovered it, it was amazingly profound. Like the space I have in my day, those moments of meditating where you actually transcend and you, you're no longer, you're no longer thinking the mantra and you're no longer thinking any thought at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just a second and you, but you just become Total, you just become awareness. You're just a, a being. You're not a, a, you're just a being, right? In, in this be, do, have conversation that we often oh, have. Yeah, it's cool. And it's, yeah, it's really, um, it's so beautiful to be in that space. And you feel such a oneness with everything, you know, yeah. uh, be, because you transcend your, I remember when I was learning it and, and I would, um, the teacher would say, how was your, you know, how was that meditation? I'd be like, I feel like I was out of my body. Like I knew I was in my body, but I felt like I was no longer in my body. It's yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I think, um, I think that is the secret to healing the world. Everyone, you know, everyone meditating, everyone really getting, you know, having a mindfulness practice, a meditation practice. I think we would stop fighting with one another, um, I think it would, you know, really change the world. I agree. It would definitely change the world. It's the one thing, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do a lot of healing that's very directed, like we did with you yesterday, very directed on a specific thing. But every day in meditation, I have stuff come up and move out and clear. And it's like the one way that you can heal yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And in that, you heal your relationships with people because you act different. You have less fears. You have, you know, I mean, the difference of meditating on your own versus, you know, working with a guide of some sort is, you know, it's not as focused. You don't necessarily choose what's healing, but you just get to trust that those layers are peeling back just the way they need to. And uh, I'd be curious to see if you, uh, when you do your transcendental meditation, if you practice breathing into your heart. Is that I'm going to now. I am yeah. going to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I love that, that idea. Yeah. Um, you know, with transcendental meditation, it's not so much about even the breath. Um, right. But you do feel your breath slow down. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a physiological um, thing that happens, and, and they've actually proven um, that uh, it does change physiology. It changes, you know, people who've had heart issues are able to go off heart medicine, you know, after years yeah. or a time of really being... Um, focused on meditation. Now I have to be completely honest. My meditation practice is not as solid as it needs to be. You know, I, my goal is to, you know, two 20 minute meditations every day. Um, some days I get one in, you know, some days I get the two, some days I miss. Um, but I can say, but the days that I do it are always the best days. And we kid ourselves by saying, Oh, I don't have time. Um, and when you actually take the 20 minutes to meditate, you end up with more time in your day. It creates space. It creates time. I meditate two hours a day, which is a little, a lot. (laughs) 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 Like, how do you do that? But, you know, and again, that's like, people are like, I can't sit still. I can't stop my thoughts. I'm like, well, let your thoughts run. Because if your thoughts get a full 30 minutes or an hour to run, then you're going to have much more clarity in your day. It's like if you have a dog or a kid and you keep them cooped up in the house all day, they're very sporadic. They're not very focused. They can't really like focus on much of anything, but you take them out to the park or the playground and you let them run and they come home, they can chill out, they can focus, they can be direct with their actions. And so that's where, you know, that blend of that, you know, that flow and that doing, it's like, Mm -hmm. give yourself some time to have the flow and the doing will come with more ease. Right. And I think it's kind of a misconception that meditation is about clearing the mind because it's not possible to clear the mind. We have thoughts going all the time. So in transcendental meditation, you're assigned a mantra, right? right? And so that's your mantra for life and you never tell anybody But the teacher will talk about just gently think the mantra. And when thoughts come in, just let those thoughts go and go back gently to the mantra. Don't hold on to the mantra. Just let it be a faint idea and thoughts come up. And then what I learned from from my instructor was that those thoughts are the stress and the healing. It's dissolving off. And they may have nothing to do with the type of healing that's going on they're just random thoughts they don't mean anything right. right and but it's mindfulness we 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 center into our mind and into our heart and those thoughts come up and you just dismiss them with ease and you go back to your mantra and uh and I, that was like the most um because i was one of those people who said oh i want to meditate but i don't think i can i just right. don't 
you know, and everyone who says they can't meditate when they look, when they learn transcendental meditation or a meditation where you're counting your breaths or whatever it happens to be, you learn that you can. Yeah. And, and the thoughts are going to come up and you just let them go. And, um, yeah, I always tell my clients, my friends, whoever will listen, (laughs) (laughs) just like all you need, there's no wrong way to do it. Just sit with your eyes closed in a place right. that you're not going to fall asleep. And you know what? If you fall asleep, that's okay. That just yeah. makes tired. But, I mean, you can even do it with the eyes gently open. I think the big thing is, is we need to get, and I think with everything, and again, this goes back to self-love and giving yourself grace, and we need to get over the idea that there's a wrong way and a right way to do things, that there's a perfect way and a not perfect way to do things, Mm -hmm. that everything is flow and everything that's happening is just perfect. Just like that terrible traumatic incident happened is the reason why I'm here right now. And just trust that there's flow and everything is perfect. Yeah. Uh, What if I Every year um, at the, in the new year, I choose a word to be my word for the year. Um, it's been joy. It's been believe. It's been hope. And this year, my word was allowing. Oh, I love that. Uh, allowing. Because there's, and I'm learning this about abundance and about uh, things. It's really just about allowing things to show up as they show up and allowing people to be who they are, Mm -hmm. allowing myself to feel how I feel, allowing my husband to feel how he feels, allowing him space to have that. You know, it's just about, there's really nothing for us to do. We, but we have to allow it in. If you want more abundance, allow it in, open the door, allow it in. If you want more love in your life, allow it in. If you want more self-love in your life, allow it. We don't, you know, there's something about just letting ourselves have it. And I think that's the struggles. We, we think we have to work hard and I'm not saying people shouldn't work hard, but, but at the end of the day, sometimes we work too hard and we work against the allowing. And so it's show up authentically, show up completely in the moment and then allow it to unfold the way it unfolds. Yeah. And I mean, our beliefs and other things like that get in so much resistance to what we're trying to create. Like I wanted my life growing up, I was so desperate for love. Like I wanted it so much, but I was also deathly afraid to connect. So I had this like push and pull. There was never an allowing. Mm-hmm. I had to control it. I had to create it. I had to make sure that it was there, but not too close. And God forbid if it started to slip away. <laughs> right. All those crazy parts of me would be like, what? No. Ah. <laughs> right, right. And and then what we learn is that what I'm learning is that love just is. I mean, mm-hmm. and sometimes 
sometimes the the best way to love someone is to not be in close proximity to them. Sometimes that's true. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm thinking uh, another thing, uh, this is a little bit off, off, um, off topic, but in terms of self-love, I I guess not. So we buy into this, this um, notion in our world that romantic love what the Course of Miracles calls special love is somehow better than other forms of love. And what we, what the Course teaches is the content is always the same. It's love. And love is love is love is love. And the form it takes is just that. It's just the form. So romantic love is not somehow better. Romantic love is not your savior, right? Yeah. It yeah. is just the form is different. And, and the expression is different because there's, this, there's an expression of love that's appropriate for people who are in a romantic relationship that wouldn't be appropriate for family members or for friends right. or whatever. Well, there's a level of intimacy that is in your special love, your romantic love. In, in theory, if you're creating the deepest, most connected love there is, there is a deep, deep intimacy. And maybe you wouldn't have that same kind of intimacy with a family member or a friend, but you sure want to create that intimacy with yourself. Right. And I, and I don't know that it's even a deeper love because all expressions of love are maximal. Yeah. Right. So it's the form that's different. Yeah. The sharing might be different. Um, but I know that in my life, you know, I have my husband who's my romantic partner, and then I have friends where we experience a very deep and profound platonic love. Yes. You know, and this notion of soulmate. Um, first of all, I, I challenge us all to be our own soulmate, first and foremost. Um, but your soulmate can also be, you can have more than one soulmate, and, and you can have a, a deep platonic friendship that's a soul connection you know and i think ultimately that's what we're hoping to achieve um with you know with everyone so that every encounter is sort of that holy encounter and i think it does start with you know that um with having a profound sense of self-love well yeah i mean if we are all one wouldn't that make every single one of us soulmates absolutely there's only one of us here yeah we were all we all yeah exactly that's what namaste consciousness is about right it's Mm -hmm. you know seeing every person and saying the sacred in me bows to the sacred in you or i acknowledge that place where you and i are one Mm -hmm. we we uh, we understand understand ourselves as separate people because we 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 relate to ourselves as bodies right we have separate bodies but but on some level, yeah, we're beyond that. So it's almost time for us to wrap up. So before we do, I want to ask you some questions, okay. which, full disclosure, I stole from Oprah Winfrey. All right. <laughs> I always wanted to be asked questions by Oprah. So this is sort this of is, my moment. This is the, yeah, if I can find them here in my journal, um, I will ask them. Okay, here we go. All right. The world needs blank. Love and presence. I believe in? All the things. (laughs) (laughs) Love is? Everything. Love is everything. I am grateful for? Hmm. 
connection, joy, joy, joy. What is the soul? All the things. What is God? (laughs) All of the things. (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much for your time, Janaeab. Before we, uh, before we go, um, I know you work with people one-on-one and you work with people virtually. So if someone who has listened to this podcast would like to reach out to you, would like to know more about your work and potentially um, speak with you, how can they do that? They can go to my website, which is gbelevate.com. You can also search hashtag elevation guide on all the things <laughs> <laughs> and you will find me you'll find me face facebook instagram twitter and yeah okay so, yeah gbelevate.com great thank you so much before we go i'm just going to uh read a blessing from um a book called blessings by julia cameron who is the author of the artist's way and this is entitled i know my true name I am a divine child, and I delight in my companionship. I love myself. I enjoy my own company. I take delight in my interests, my diversions, my pastimes. I approve of myself. I honor my choices. I seek and I find integrity within my soul. I am comforted by my own companionship. I am a friend to myself. I encounter my thoughts and emotions tenderly and with interest. I have patience with myself. I do not expect too much. I am not harsh or critical. With warm support and affection, I encourage my own unfolding. I trust myself to have intimacy with my own needs, wants, and dreams. I respond appropriately to my yearnings acting ethically and forthrightly for my own best interests. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find our po- the podcast on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, if you want to, all the things, you can reach me at manifestingbrilliance at gmail.com. Please, if you're listening to the podcast on any platform, give me a review, uh, comment, uh, drop a line via email. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all at Manifesting Brilliance. So thank you so much for listening. Find a way to celebrate self-love today. Bye-bye. Bye.